my father's house there's a place for you in my father's house everything will be brand new in my father's house there is only peace and love in my father's house i'll
Thanksgiving celebration services. It is good to worship with you. It is good to give thanks to the Lord. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. An early happy Thanksgiving to you. My name is Marvin, one of the pastors here, and it is my pleasure to greet each and every one of you, whether you're here for many, many years or if this is your very first time. We're so grateful that you are here with us today. If you are here for the very first time, we would love to get to know you. And so there's a connection card that's in the seat back in front of you. You can grab that connection card in a little bit. There's going to be an offering bag that's passed around. You can drop that connection card in the offering bag. Uh, someone will call you. We just want to get to know you, tell you a little bit about our church and hear your story as well. And if you are joining us online, welcome and hope you are having a wonderful Thanksgiving to you wherever you might be as well. Well, we are super excited to be hosting Christmas here at Christian Assembly. We are having Christmas candlelight services on December 23rd and 24th. That's a Friday and a Saturday. And so we look forward to having you, your guests, join us as we together celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So like I said, the services are going to be happening Friday, December 23rd at 6 p.m., and then Saturday, December 24th at 9 a.m. and 11.15, which means that we will not be having services on Sunday, December 25th, so you can take the opportunity to be with your friends and loved ones and family on Christmas Day. We're going to be having services on both sides of the street, both here in our South Sanctuary as well as in our North Sanctuary that is directly across the street. And so no, no matter which side of the street you celebrate with us, you're going to get great teaching, you're going to get awesome live worship, and just an amazing time to be together and celebrate the birth of our Savior. Kids Church is going to be hosting an amazing Christmas party as well. It's being called a Super KC Christmas, and that's for kids birth through fifth grade. So if you have some little ones around you, make sure that you invite them to be a part of that special time. In fact, we would love to get to know everybody that is going to be planning on joining us so that we can serve you well. And this is really important. So if you received a bulletin on your way in, there should have been a little green card like this. You can pull that out right now and show me that you have it. And if you don't have it, one of our ushers can come around and bring it to you. So if you need one, you can look in the back and Sean and his team can make sure you get one. Everyone have a green card like this? Great. We are going to take a moment right now to fill out these green cards. It's important uh, as an RSVP card so that we might know and serve you well who is coming and what service times you plan to attend, you, your family members, your guests. And so I'm going to give you about 30 seconds for you to fill that out. You can grab a pen and fill that out right now. You can also indicate on this RSVP card uh, if you wish to volunteer with our Kids Church or our welcome team. So go ahead and fill that out right now. Keep filling it out. Keep filling it out. While Scotty plays to... Thank you, Scotty. You guys filled it all out? It's getting quiet. The murmur's dying down. I'm going to trust that you've all filled it out. You're going to drop that in the offering bag as it comes around in a little bit. So thank you so much for filling that out. We really want to be a, a, an inviting church. And we want our Christmas services to be full of yourselves, your guests, your uh, family members and friends. And so also on your seat, you received an invitation card like this. We would love for you to take that with you and invite somebody. Invite somebody at work, invite somebody in your neighborhood, invite somebody you might know to be a part of 
Christmas here at Christian Assembly. These are beautiful cards, right? And so you can give them away and invite someone to be with you. All right, so don't forget to drop your RSVP cards in the offering bag as it comes in a little bit because it is our time now to worship through the giving of our tithes and offerings. And as we do that, and as we've been focusing on gratitude, I'd love to read 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 34, which says the following. It says this, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, he is good, his mercy endures forever. We'll take a moment to, to pray. In a, in a minute, uh, our ushers will come forward and help us with the uh, uh, receiving the tithes and offerings. And we just want to say, if you're new or visiting, feel no obligation to participate. We just thank you. Thank you for participating. Uh, and to our CA family, thank you so much for your ongoing generosity. Would you pray with me? Lord, we're so grateful. We're so grateful for who you are, Lord. We're grateful for all the ways that you minister to us, you bless us, you, you're with us throughout our year, Lord. In this w- week that as a, as a nation we have this tradition to pause and to give thanks, Lord, we do that even now, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Would you cultivate in our, in our hearts an attitude of gratitude that permeates our lives, that fills us with joy, that we are reminded of your love, your grace, and your mercy for us, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we get to be in this place. Thank you that we get to worship your holy name, Lord. We ask that you would bless uh, as we worship you through the giving of our tithes and offerings, Lord. Bless those that are giving even now or through our app or through online, Lord. Would you bless us in Jesus' name? Amen. Ushers, you may come. Don't forget to drop your cards in the bag. Well, if you're a visitor or guest, my name is Tom. What an honor and a privilege to have you here among us, whether you're here in person, whether you are with us online, it is a joy to be together and um, have this time together. Last weekend, we had 28 people uh, who were baptized, which was just amazing to, to see. Yep, yep, we can applaud God's good work on that as well. I want to tell you a little bit about where we're headed on the teaching and preaching schedule. Uh, the first week of uh, December, we're going to have our dear friend Julie McGowan Boyd will be here. She'll be speaking. And the weekend after that, we'll begin a three week Christmas series. Um, I want to encourage you to be praying and inviting friends to join us. Well, from his hospital bed on the eve of an open heart surgery, there's a pastor, his name, was, uh, his name is Bruce McIver, and he asked his cardiologist, Dr. Dudley Johnson, he said, can you fix my heart? Can you fix my heart? Now, this physician was known, true story, for being short and to the point, and so he gave a one-word answer. He said, sure, and then he turned and walked away quickly. Following the 12-hour surgery, McIver asked Johnson, in the light of the blocked arteries that I had when I checked into the hospital, how much blood supply do I have now? To which the terse uh, surgeon replied, all you'll ever need. And he ended the conversation and walked away again. Upon his discharge from the hospital, McIver's wife, his, uh, her name is Lawana, asked the doctor, well, what about my husband's future quality of life. To which Johnson paused and he said, I fixed his heart. The quality of his life is up to him. I fixed his heart. The quality of his life is up to him. In many ways, the scriptures would teach us that the quality of our life has to do with the regular rhythm of practicing gratitude in our lives. We're going to consider that, but before we do, let's pray. So God, thank you for your word and thank you how it is living and active among us. We ask God as we come to your word now, would you break down walls? Would you break down any distractions? And would you insert into us your living word that will not return void to you? God, I pray you would be the lifter of our head. You would be the strengthener of our heart. You would be the sharpener of our minds, that we could see all the ways that you're at work for which we have to say thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. On your way in, hopefully you got a bulletin. If you did, if you flip it open to the center section, you'll see the teaching notes that are there that you can fill out throughout our time together. You'll also see the scriptures that we'll be digging into from First Chronicles. 
Well, ever since the fall of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, good and evil have been commingled in our experiences. On your very worst day, there's probably something good that has occurred. On your very best day, there's probably something that wasn't so great that occurred. Prior to the fall, uh, prior to that occurring, God's creation was a good-only experience. He created it, he named it as good throughout the chapters. It was good, it was good, it was good. He named it good. But after that fall, after that moment when sin entered into the world, we experienced not only good, but also a mixture of challenges and hardships and frustrations and disappointments and griefs and pains. Now, if you are at all familiar with the storyline of the Israelites, then you know how much their lives were filled with the same things that co-mingle in our lives, the same mixture of experience that happens that we find in our lives as well. And their sufferings and their disappointments brought them plenty of questions, just like our sufferings and our disappointments do to us. Their lives were filled with a never-ending series of both challenges and opportunities, just like our lives are filled with a never-ending mixture of both challenges and opportunities. At times, they faced fortresses and foes that seemed unconquerable, circumstances that seemed insurmountable, just like we can have happen to us. And yes, sometimes their circumstances led them into seasons of deep despair and complaint, just like we can be tempted to have happen in our own lives as well. But the Israelites had one habit that was a recurring, returning habit that saved them from giving up or going under in life. Time and time again, we see them throughout their story stopping and purposely and intentionally raising their eyes to heaven in order to give thanks to God. In 1 Chronicles chapter 16, we get a picture of one, just one such episode in the life of Israel, which will teach us a lot about how to practice gratitude in our own Thanksgiving time as well. Now, for context... Uh, the, by now, at this point in the story, the controversial king Saul, is his reign is over, and a young warrior named David has been uh, succeeded him, an elected king, both by prophetic designation as well as by popular acclamation. He's led the Israelites through a series of battles against their uh, enemies, the Philistines, and the armies of Israel have captured the ancient Acropolis of Jerusalem, which was the crown jewel at the time of the land of Canaan. David now orders that the Ark of the Covenant, this was the box that contained the Ten Commandments, be brought into the city so that God can be reverenced there in the capital of this new kingdom. And David leads the procession into the city. He's literally dancing for joy in front of the Ark as it's carried in. And we pick up the story there in uh, chapter 16, verse 1. It says this, they brought in the ark and set it inside the tent that David had pitched for it, and they offered burnt offerings and offerings of well-being before God. When David finished offering the burnt offerings and the offerings of well-being, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord. And he distributed to every uh, person in Israel, man and woman alike, to each a loaf of bread, a portion of meat, and a cake of raisins. David then goes on and he appoints members of the tribe of Levi as the official worship leaders of the people. Their job is, quote, to make petition, to give thanks and to praise the Lord, the God of Israel. In other words, some of them are to name the prayer requests. Some of them are to list all the reasons of thanksgiving that they could possibly think of and name. And the rest are to make music with guitars and piano and drums and organ or whatever the ancient equivalent of all those instruments was back then, right? You get the picture of what's happening here, right? This is the very first Thanksgiving worship service. I mean, they even have a special meal to go along with it with a cake of raisin and a portion of meat and a loaf of bread given to each person. David declares in verse 8, he says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known his deeds among the people. 
sing to him, sing praises to him. Sometimes people, when they first come to Christian assembly, they're like, man, you guys like to sing. Like, this is like the singingest church. Like, you send people to the Eiffel Tower to sing and record videos of people. You, you, this is the singingest church. And my answer is like, yeah, isn't it amazing? Because that's what God commands us to do, right? Sing to him, sing praises to him. Tell of all of his wonderful works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Let me ask you, are you seeking the Lord? If so, let your heart rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength. Those two things are tied together. God's presence and his strength. Whatever strength you need wherever you feel weak, wherever you feel overwhelmed, wherever you feel like I'm on my last little bit of energy, the good news is God can renew your strength and renew your energy as you seek him. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. Remember the wonderful works he has done, his miracles, the judgments that he has uttered. And by the time we get to verse 23, David instructs and says, sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of the salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be revered above all gods. For the gods of the people are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. If you want strength, if you want joy, you know where to find it. You need to go and seek it from him. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the people. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory to his name. Bring an offering. Come before him. Worship the Lord in holy splendor. Tremble before him, all the earth. The world is firmly established. It shall never be moved. Let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice. And let them say among the nations, the Lord is king. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. You know when we sing, we showed that, that amazing uh, video of people all over the world. I think next time we do that video, we're going to put like trees in there, right? Because it says that trees sing for joy before the Lord. For he comes to judge the earth. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. So how can we grow in this practice of gratitude from what we've just read, what we've just seen, the practice of the Israelites? The first thing is this, that gratitude begins with the perception of the good. Now, that's not rocket science to know that gratitude begins with the perception of the good. The rocket science comes when you train yourself to perceive the good regardless of what circumstances you might be in, whether it's easy to do, whether it's challenging to do. David recites item after item about the goodness of God and the wonderful works he has done. But to recite them, you first have to have eyes and a heart to perceive the good. And this will require, I would argue, from the beginning of Genesis in the fall all the way through to now, 21st century America in Los Angeles, this will require an intentional choice of focus because we all know if you want a steady diet of anger, discontentment, and frustration, there are entire industries in America that will feed it to you one click at a time. Did you know that bad news travels faster and farther in our culture than good news? Multiple studies show this, but let me just give you one from DePaul University and Harvard Business School. They examined 140,000 tweets on Twitter, and it found that both for, I know this is going to make some of you angry, so remember it's Thanksgiving. It found <laughs> that both for right-leaning and for left-leaning media, both, negative news spreads further through the current Twitter network than positive news. So regardless of your political affiliation, you have something in common. You spread negative news more quickly <laughs> than you spread positive news, right? And this creates a destructive spiral, leading news organizations who then profit off of that to create more negative news headlines because they know they'll get more traffic, which will lead to more money, which they then do. In fact, the study showed 
that for people who are just normal, average people, by and large, your tweets that you generate yourself are positive tweets. The retweets that you share from your favorite news organization are negative tweets. That's what the study found. The authors of the study theorize that bad news travels faster because we humans pay attention to bad news more than good news. It catches our attention more. And I think that's true. I think theologically that's true. Biblically that's true. I think it's a product of the fall. It's not just that our experiences are mixed. It's now that our attention always goes to the negative. And if we have that propensity, which psychologists would say we do, and I would say Scripture does as well, to drift to the negative, it means that we will have to make a focused, prayerful choice to perceive the good going on around us at any moment in time. Don't misunderstand me. There's all sorts of reasons to be angry and frustrated, but right alongside them, if you will notice and pay attention, there are reasons to be thankful if you will perceive them. Case in point, just using social metrics, Americans now are much healthier than in previous generations. We live longer, have fewer diseases, we have fewer accidents, fewer children die. We're better educated, we're more literate, we have less crime compared to the 1980s. The air quality and the water quality is better now than it was in the 1980s. If you're a teacher, the average class size in the 1950s was one teacher to 32 students. The average class size in America now is one teacher to 19 students. So if you're not happy and grateful about anything else, if you're teacher, you can say, I'm glad I didn't live in the 1950s where it was 1 to 32, and I live where it's 1 to 19. Globally, people are living longer, healthier lives. There's less hunger in the world now than in the 1980s. Extreme poverty has been cut in half since the 1980s in developing countries. Life expectancy has doubled around the world in the past 100 years. Literacy rates in the last 100 years have gone from 25%. A hundred years ago, only 25% of people could read. And now it's grown to 80% during that same period. Let me bring it even closer to home. By my count and by my memory, 20 years ago as a congregation, we had three or maybe four kingdom partnerships, two local, two global. Today, we have 34. We have 20 that are local. We have 14 that are global. And the 14 that are global are actually working in 21 different countries, including working with 30 unreached people groups. That's just out of this one little congregation called Christian Assembly. Or let me bring it even closer to home. Where have you seen the goodness of God in your personal life this year? Or across the years of your life? David says, "Remember, remember the wonderful works the Lord has done. What wonderful work has the Lord done that you're now living in? I went to my uh, sister's for my niece's wedding last weekend, and I was staying at my uh, other sister's house. And uh, in her house, in her living room, she had a plaque. And the plaque, paraphrasing, said something like this, God, help me to remember that I'm now living in the answered prayers that I prayed so long ago. And we talked about it, and she said, I remember when I was single and I prayed for a husband. I remember when I wanted to have kids. I remember when I needed a job. I remember, I remember, I remember, I remember. And just that little plaque made me think, man, I am living in the answered prayers of how God has answered prayer after prayer after prayer after prayer. And if you're a Christ follower, so are you. You're living in that as well. Remember the wonderful works the Lord has done. See, gratitude is not something that you work up by your willpower. Gratitude is the byproduct of the practice of perceiving the good in life and then understanding every good gift we have comes from God. The second thing is this. When we practice the discipline of gratitude to God, it is both good for us and it is a witness to others. First Chronicles 16, we read a chunk of it, gives us a glimpse into the example of the practice of gratitude from the life of the Israelites. But what I want to underline is that this sort of celebration was ingrained into the discipline in the life of Israel. 
Now, it wasn't always to this scale that we just read about, but moments and days and habits of gratitude are found throughout the storyline of the Israelites up to this point and after this point as well. From the time they first fled the persecution in the land of Egypt, the Israelites learned and were commanded by God to stop along their journey to give thanks to God, to remember. We, we read throughout the Old Testament in many places, they would, they would get a pile of stones and they would build up a pile of stones to mark where they became particularly conscious of God's blessing and God's presence. And why would they build up this pile of stones to be a witness to both current as well as future generations that God met them in that place, that God helped them in that place? They bring a, a special offering as a way to say thanks to God. Thank you, God, for your protection. Thank you, God, for your provision. Or one of the leaders of their family would stand up in front of their family and recite in detail the record of God's providence over the long haul of the history to them as a nation and of their own particular family as well. They would gather the tribes together from the various parts of the land and they would hold a feast at which God was named the honored guest and everyone around the table would go around and exclaim how good God is and how glorious He is and what God had done specifically for them that they wanted to thank God for. And in various ways, they both exalted God. And as they exalted God, they were equipped and they re-engaged life from a wiser perspective. They'd remember that as hard as life could be, they were a richly blessed people. They'd remember that they hadn't gotten this far on life's journey simply by their own genius, their own sweat, or their own merit alone. They had gotten this far in life's journey by God's grace. They'd get clear again that God had been profoundly active for good along their journey. And there was every reason to believe that if they remained faithful to Him, there would be many blessings ahead for them as well. And the same is true for us as we journey with God through life and remain faithful to the Lord. You see, it was an intentional discipline for them, and it must be an intentional discipline for us as well. The reason it requires discipline, as we all know, is that it's easy to get busy or to get tired or forgetful or lazy or bored. It requires discipline because we live in a discontented culture. And if we just go with the flow, you will end up flowing right into a place where more often you have a complaint on your tongue than you have a song on your lips. If you drift, you will drift to criticize and become quick to criticize and slow to honor. You will drift to thanklessness. It can just kind of happen. But the good news is you and I, with God's help, we can overcome the drift by a willing commitment to be disciplined for God's glory and for our own good. Like all the commands of God, when we obey the command to be thankful, it ends up being good for us. Most of us know that when you're thankful, when you're grateful, you end up feeling better. But more and more researchers are finding that the practice of gratitude doesn't just make you feel like a better person, it's actually good for your biological health. For example, professor and researcher Robert A. Emmons put it this way, quote, clinical trials indicate that the practice of gratitude can have a dramatic and lasting effect in a person's life. It can lower your blood pressure, improve your immune function, and facilitate more efficient sleep. One study by the University of California, San Diego School of Medicine, found that people who are more grateful actually had better heart health. Specifically, they had less inflammation in their heart and healthier heart rhythms. They showed a better well-being, a less depressed mood, less fatigue, and they slept better. In other words, if you want to sleep well tonight, be grateful to God before you go to bed, apparently. <laughs> Clinically, all of these studies together found that, this is fascinating to me, that gratitude has the opposite biological effects of stress. Like directly opposite. So stress increases your pulse. Gratitude 
decreases your pulse. Stress increases your inflammation. Gratitude decreases your inflammation. Stress actually puts more cortisol in your blood. Thankfulness actually puts less of cortisol, which is a stress hormone, in your blood. In fact, stress hormones like cortisol are found to be 23% lower in grateful people. And having a daily gratitude practice, one other study said, it actually reduces the effects of aging on your brain. Now, God commands us to be grateful. The better science gets, the more we see that when we're grateful to God, it doesn't just make us feel better. It's not only being obedient to God, it's actually part of God's goodness to us. The more we're marked by gratitude, the better it is for us, and also the better it is for those around us as well, and the closer it draws us to God. The third thing we see is this, is that life with God will help you be grateful for imperfect people and imperfect circumstances. All right, real quick, little kind of like congregational participation moment. How many of you are surrounded by imperfect people and imperfect circumstances? Anybody? Right? Okay. My wife didn't put her hand up. I don't know why you didn't put your hand up. You should have have both hands up and be like, I live with you, fool. I know that I'm surrounded by an imperfect person, right? Life with God will help you be grateful for the imperfect people and imperfect circumstances. Notice here, David's life was not filled with perfect circumstances and perfect people. He had challenges and hardships and questions and frustrations too. Some he had already overcome, others lie ahead for him, but right in the midst of the journey, he intentionally pauses for a celebration of thanksgiving. And if you are like everyone else in history, You have both a lot to be frustrated about and a lot to be grateful for about at the exact same time. Both of those things exist at the exact same time. But we as people, if you're at all like me, I can think, well, you know, I'm just in a rough season right now. When things calm down, I will be grateful. Here's what I've learned. Things never calm down. When things calm down, then I'll become calm. Things never calm down. When things get peaceful, then I'll be peaceful. Things never get peaceful. Others, I've heard them say, well, I wish I lived in a different time. I wish I lived in a different place. Then I would be grateful. No, actually, you wouldn't. You wouldn't be because you'd get there and you'd realize there's a mixture of good and frustration in every time period and every part of the globe since the fall from Genesis forward. If we wait for everything, everywhere, and every one of our circumstances to be perfect, if we wait until every one of our questions is answered, then we will never celebrate, we will never give thanks, we will never be grateful. Instead, just like the Israelites, we have to build the discipline of a regular time of celebrating the goodness of God, of being grateful, of thanksgiving right in the midst of our journey. There's great freedom and great power when you realize that you can be grateful right in the midst of your imperfect Thanksgiving meal with your complicated, extended family members that are with you once a year for Thanksgiving. You can be grateful right at that time, surrounded by imperfect people and imperfect circumstances. And the dirty little good news is they can be grateful when they're around you and your imperfections as well. The street goes both ways, right? 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18 says it this way, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Not for all circumstances, but in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You know, we often trace our national holiday of Thanksgiving through Abraham Lincoln's proclamation back to the original pilgrims from England who fled religious persecution in England and all of that is right and true. But it goes back even further. It was from the example of the ancient Israelites that the pilgrims learned the pattern that became in this country what we now call Thanksgiving. It's been 401 years since that day 
in Plymouth, Massachusetts. It's been over 3,000 years since the day we just read about in 1 Chronicles 16. But the capacity of God's people to handle with courage and wisdom the great questions, the daily demands of life, those inevitable periods when hope seems to be finished, what we realize and what we learn is that all of it, the capacity to deal with all of it, still flows from our relationship with God. That in His presence you will find renewed strength, renewed joy, and renewed reason to give thanks. So here's my invitation to you. When you go to your Thanksgiving table, I want to encourage you to bring with you a copy of God's Word, the Bible. Read 1 Chronicles 16 aloud. And then go around the circle, whether the circle is you and one other person, whether it's a hundred other people, and invite each person to talk about which verse maybe came alive for them and why. And then share with one another an exclamation of gratitude to God for the gift of life on this remarkable planet, for the people you love and who have loved you throughout your life, for your mentors and your role models, for the abilities and resources that he's entrusted to you, for God's word that guides you, for his grace through Jesus Christ, his cross and resurrection that forgives you, for his mercy that preserves you, for his eternal arms that await you, and for whatever else might come to your mind that pours out from your heart as David encourages us, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his love endures both now and forever. Let's pray. Tommy, you can come on up. Father, I ask right now, would you help each of us have eyes to perceive the good and then remember that every good gift comes from you? Would you help us, Lord? So right now, whether you're online, whether you're here in person, I want to give you a moment. Just think back over the last year with a heart of gratitude. What are you grateful for? How did God help you? Maybe small ways he helped you. Maybe big ways. Whatever he brings to mind, thank him for them all now. God promises to be at work. In all circumstances, he's able to work for our good, for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And So regardless whether your circumstances have been great or whether they haven't been that great, maybe God's been at work redeeming circumstances. Maybe you've had a great set of circumstances. Maybe it's not even about circumstances. Maybe it's about a friendship that you're grateful for. Maybe it's a client, a classmate, a coworker, a neighbor, a family member. God, we thank you. And let me ask you now, what's one practice you can do to keep gratitude alive in you year-round? I have a prayer journal, and when I write in my prayer journal, one of my gratitude disciplines is the very first thing I always write is what I'm grateful for. So before I get into what I'm requesting or what I'm confessing, or I just always begin with thanksgiving. I thank God for who He is. I thank God for the gift of eternal life. I thank God for for this church. I thank God for my family. I thank God for his word. I thank God for the fruit of his spirit, the gifts of his Holy Spirit. I, I thank God. One of my other commitments is that regularly at the end of the day, as I'm going to sleep at night and I'm laying down and I'm putting my head on my pillow, I just review the last 24 hours I actually pray and say, God, would you help me review the last 24 hours with gratitude? What do I have to be grateful for, God? Where were you at work? Where did you walk alongside me, strengthen me, comfort me, use me to encourage and strengthen someone else? I don't know what your practice would be, but what one practice could you do? You can adopt one of the two I just said or both to keep gratitude alive in you year-round. Or how might God be leading you to do something good for someone else so that you're part of being used by God to give them a reason to
to say thank you to God. Gratitude isn't just something that God wants us to have. It's something he wants us to pass on to others by the good works that we do. And then point them to God and say, it's by God's grace that these good things are coming your way. Who might God be laying on your heart even now? You might be the one that's the lifter of their head. You might be the one that is the one to bless them or strengthen them, to say a word of encouragement to them or an act of kindness to them. And lastly, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you to do so now. You were created for a relationship with God, to be rightly related to God, rightly related to creation, rightly related to other people. And yet sin has come and each of us, according to the scripture, we all by our own free will have gone astray. And yet that isn't the end of the story because God by his eternal sovereign providence and wisdom had a plan to rescue us before even any of us were created before sin even came into the picture. He already had a rescue plan based off of his grace and centered on his son, Jesus Christ, who came freely of his own will, emptying himself of his divine rights and privileges, born as a baby in the manger, grows up, teaches us to, how, to understand who God the Father is and have a right understanding of Him and goes to the cross to die on the cross to pay for our sin so that you can be forgiven, so that I can be forgiven. The sinless one dying for the sinful ones so that God's justice could be made known and His love could be made evident to us. God so loved the world that He sent His one and only Son that whomsoever would come to him and believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. You can come. You can come even now and say, I'm saying yes to you. And if that's you, you can just pray and say, God, I'm saying yes to you. I'm coming now. Forgive me of my sin. Transfer me from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of your light. Adopt me into your family. Give me a new nature from the inside out where I desire to know you and do your will and walk in accordance with your word, taking on your commandments because I know they're good for me and they're good through me to those around me. Forgive me of my sin because of what Christ has done. And may I follow you as my Lord, as my Savior, as my friend, as my creator all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you said yes to God for the very first time, I want to welcome you into the family of God. Your very next step is to get baptized. I'd also like you to let me or one of the other pastors know we have a new believer's Bible up here that we'd love to give you as a free gift to help you in your journey with God. And so Tommy, would you lead us?